Hi, and welcome back to the First Quarter Club. I'm Joe, and this is Hannah, and we're bringing you new episodes every Monday. Hello, guys, and welcome back to episode nine. We're joined by Hannah and the wonderful Alfred, property investor and developer. Um, you might have seen him on Instagram. He's got a YouTube channel as well, and we thought it'd be a great <clears> idea because it's something we, me and Hannah are really passionate about. Um, and we'll get him on the podcast just for you guys. So how is everyone? Everyone okay? Yeah, good. No, good. Thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. So, yeah, thanks for joining us, Alfred. Um, and yeah, like Joe said, I mean, we're, we're both quite passionate about property. We're definitely not um, <laughs> experts when it comes to investing, but we thought it'd just be a great idea to just get someone on, um, someone that's got a bit more experience that can talk us through some of the strategies and things you're involved with. So, yeah, I mean, if we want to kick it off, could you give us a bit of a, a background to yourself? So perhaps talk about maybe your teenage life. Um, early career your your education that kind of thing just to give the listeners an idea yeah um so teenage life <clears> I was um well, I'll probably start from sixth form I guess I didn't go for, <laughs> uh, for sixth form times I was I was pretty much um focusing on my strengths which are maths and physics that those be my strengths I was kind of aiming to kind of go into an engineering role um in terms of like university degree so I thought okay these are my strengths let's let's do a university degree around engineering. Um, I had a passion as well to be at the time to be a pilot. So that was my idea of, okay, I'll go down the aerospace engineering route and do that as a uni degree. Um, But then quickly going into the first year of uni and kind of getting into the habit of like being in uni and going through the the exams and stuff. I was like, okay, the whole pilot stuff is all great. Great (laughs) ambition to have. Um, but the fees to kind of like actually go on to become a pilot is quite a lot um, and it's not something I could pursue at the time so I was like okay I'll just literally just do the aerospace engineering degree without the pilot studies element of it um, and focus on that so I did a, a straight master's four-year MEng degree and going into the final year even that that degree I kind of swayed more into the management side of things so I had the opportunity to become a project manager for one of the groups I was managing. So it was a group, of, a group of 12 engineers and I kind of leveraged that as well to get me into my contracting um, job coming out of uni. So I, I was quite fortunate in the sense of literally leaving uni, seeing my exams, literally I think a month after I was in a job, uh, contracting job at Jaguar Land Rover um, as a project wow. manager. So I, I was, yeah, so it kind of worked out. I didn't, I hadn't figured it all out, but I just kind of went through the direction of kind of play to my strengths of what I liked and tried to leverage as much as possible um, to, to kind of get me this job. So I was at Jaguar Land Rover for about five years, literally doing various projects. Um, great, great company, exciting um, projects to kind of work on as well uh, from an engineering point of view. But I was more on the management side of things, but I still mm-hmm. had the technical um, I guess capability to understand what's going on so it was it was, it was good it was a good time um, okay did you did, did you find that you used anything that you studied in your uh degree in your everyone in your career? <laughs> yeah because I think I think it's quite a, a common question that people get asked right? is, like you go to is. university you study a certain subject and then you end up not even using it it's no it's to, to put it simple no a lot of the things <laughs> I, I, I learned I learned um all the math elements and stuff yeah like no use but don't get me wrong um because that's because I chose to go down the management route and obviously if I'm in the, if I'm going down the management route then I don't need all the technical stuff I'm not, not not an engineer so I didn't need to use all the technical stuff I had learned um for the equations and stuff but if you were an engineer then it was good 
um, in terms of being like a component engineer, you would you would have had to use some of the stuff, but it's still not the proportion of. So let's say imagine uni degree in terms of proportion of what you learn, probably 20-30 percent of what you learn is what you might apply at work. Um, and obviously from a project management point of view, it was even less because to be honest, it's probably my final year is what kind of I used moving mm -hmm. forward. Um, in terms of the engineering content, there wasn't really much, but obviously helped me in terms of being able to sit in a room of full of engineers talking about technical stuff. I could understand um, the language. I mean, it, it just helped the conversations, but in terms of actually doing engineering stuff myself, there was very little, so very little stuff from uni. So, so you finished the uh, Land Rover Jaguar, and then what was your next move after that? So it wasn't actually even by choice, um, to be honest. It was so due to COVID um, back in March uh, 2020. Seems like a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, right. So yeah, so obviously me working on future projects, um, basic company was like, well, we're, we're, car sales aren't coming through. We're going through a pan pandemic at the moment. So we're kind of letting go of a lot of our contractors until things um, get better. But I'd already kind of, got involved in property in parallel with working and this all pretty much came about I think year one after the first year of working I kind of came into a realization of well great I've got a good job got a good salary but it's, it's getting very um, repetitive so I was thinking what can I do differently and in uni I always talked about kind of going into property as a retirement vehicle um, but now it's like okay I've, I've experienced work I want a bit more um, and I've always kind of aspired to be wealthy young so I, I kind of, okay, let's, let's go find out how do I get involved in property in terms of investing, how does it work? Um, so literally went down the educational route of like paid education. I was fortunate, I had the money to kind of invest in the courses to kind of learn better myself in terms of from an investment point of view, how to invest in property. Mm -hmm. And that's how I kind of started to get involved in, in, in property and then kind of build on the knowledge. Um, and again, I learned loads of things, loads of strategies and kind of focused on one thing that worked well for me. And that's why I kind of progressed um, in terms of property investment. Sure. Okay. So that sounds great. And it sounds like you've taught yourself as well throughout this whole process. It's not like you've, you know, you've done a career previously in property management and development, that sort of thing. You've come out of a, of a uni with a completely different degree. Um, and a lot of it is just through your passion of, you know, what, like you like you mentioned, wanting to earn your own money, have a bit of a side income and something that, you know, investing in something that's uh, worthwhile. So um, just talking about the types of property strategies that you mentioned, what type of things were you involved with and, and where what inspired you to get involved with these different strategies? So rather than, you know, just buying to let, for example, or buy and hold, I've heard of, you know, flipping HMOs, that yeah. kind of thing. Um, what made you decide on what route you want to go down? Yeah, there's there's loads of yeah properties. <laughs> there's there's loads you can do in property. Depends on strategy. So for me, it starts with what did I want to get out of property? So yeah. That was the starting point for me, and becoming very clear on that. I didn't want to. So for example, the strategies whereby you can get, gain control of the property, which is like rent, the rent to rent stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, so for me, I wanted the ownership element of it. Um, so for me, it's, it's realistically either buy to lets or HMOs as a, as a moving as a route moving forward. And the buy to let stuff wasn't, um, in terms of the income, didn't meet my goals as well. Because in correlation to what I earn, it's like I'd need 20, 30 properties to kind of replace my income, if you want to call it that. Um, so it, it wasn't worth the time and the effort to kind of go into that space. Whereas the HMO was more, you had the ownership, and you had the higher cash flow and strategy. 
So that was what aligned to me the most. And that was the strategy. I said, okay, I'm going to run with this. I'm going to kind of figure out how I can bridge the gap. Because again, it's not a, a strategy someone starts off on normally from the, from the property investment, kind of, you want to call it a pyramid. You kind of start the buy-to-lets. There may be some um, multi-lets where you've got like maybe three, four people sharing a property and then the HMO, the larger one, six and above. Um, but I said, you know what, for me it's about ownership and the income and the income level that I want starts at the six bedroom plus right. type properties. And so for me, it's like, okay, how can I bridge the gap? Not really having experience in that field, not really done a conversion before, like, a, or even bought an investment property before it was all new. It's about surrounding myself with people. Yeah, um, and, and and just before we go down that route, because I know I've just jumped in there a little bit, but um, yeah, just yeah, for, our, for our listeners that perhaps might not know what a HMO is, could you just put it into really simple terms? So, so yes, just yes, explain sorry, sorry, the tra- so, yes. No, no, it's, it's my fault. I got a little bit excited and jumped straight <laughs> straight into the strategies. Um, but yeah, just just considering that some people might not know exactly what these definitions mean. Yeah, so it's simply um, HMO stands for House of Multiple Occupations. In, in simple terms, layman terms, it just means uh, a house where people have to share the facilities within that house. Um, so usually uh, HMO is three people and above. So if three, on, three people that don't know each other are sharing a property, it can be classed as a HMO. Mm-hmm. And some councils is a bit, is a bit more, five people. Uh, but generally speaking, across the country, is any unknown three people living in a property, it can be classed as a HMO. Okay. And do you need licenses or are there any regulations for you to have a HMO? You know, could I, is it just as simple as finding a five, six bedroom house, whacking some bed, uh, some beds in there and saying, oh, it's a HMO. I'm guessing it's a little bit more complicated than that. Yeah, yeah. No, so, there's, there's, <laughs> so yeah, no, there's some, there's some regs, regulations, um, which you need to abide to, to be able to have a HMO. So some areas, you don't require license um, for a certain number of people. But again, it starts usually, to be fair, most councils are now asking for any any properties above three people um, to have a HMO license before you could have had four, five, six people even and not need to um, have a HMO license. But you still need to have the HMO regulations. So in terms of the fire alarm, smoke alarm, like all, all the, the fire doors, those type of stuff you, mm. you need to have. So the safety of the tenants was still was still kept. But in terms of the licensing, there wasn't a need. Um, but now, majority of councils are now asking um, for you to have the license as well as the meeting the regs. Cool, that, that makes sense. And, and then just, I guess, just personally, what made you think, do you know what, I've got some money to put away, I want to start investing it. What made you jump straight into property rather than putting your money into different investment vehicles? What, what, what inspired you to choose property rather than, you know, stocks and shares, you know, Bitcoin, like we spoke about last week? So for me, I, I did the research on the wealth of people, what do they have? And mm. for me, what came, what kept coming up was property as pretty much their foundation. Some maybe had businesses, then bought property, but a lot of people either started from property and then went into businesses, stocks and shares, all that stuff. Um, so that was a common thread for me. Um, and, and I just want to replicate what they've done and build the same type of wealth they had so I was like hey, if they've done it this way and it worked for them let me let me follow the same footsteps um like they say um success leaves clues so just follow the same mm-hmm. thing don't try and reinvent the wheel um do what works so that's that was the main reason for going down the property element and as well I'd say because it's a physical um asset I I it's, you know I mean? it's, it's and it's uh, more importantly a need a lot yeah. of want 
people need a roof over their head. Um, so I know this, this is something that's going to be here for hundreds of years, thousands of years. I can't guarantee a company's going to be here in, in 10 years' time. That's true. So for me, it's, it's that security, the foundation. So I, I see it as a, a great foundation to have because it's a need. And then anything you build up from that, if it's businesses, whether it goes bust or not, you can have a property foundation, which kind of secures your wealth. And if anything goes wrong with, with your new ventures, you can always fall back on your property. Um, they, they will always save you, in my opinion. That's a really good point. So what, one thing that I've seen um, quite a lot, and one thing that sort of concerns me, in, in, for me personally jumping in, is financing. Now, like it'd be okay if I've got a certain amount of deposit to, to throw on a house, um, but it, I, I could probably get one. But then it, it's how do I move up into the next one and the next one and the next one? You know, for me, I, I'm thinking, well, I just have to collect all the rent each month. But then, you know, I'll have bills personally to pay and, and it wouldn't leave me with a lot um, of investment. So how, how do you find that you finance the jobs and, and who really uh, do you get that sort of finance from? Because I saw on your Instagram, you said, I think it was yourself that said, oh, that trying to raise this money, you know, is it as simple as going to the bank each time or is there different ways that you can raise that finance? Yeah, so um, with acquiring property, obviously in most cases, you're getting either a mortgage or if in my case you're doing like a refurbishment, you're getting a bridge and loan. Um, and kind of not technical terms, a bridge and loan is pretty much like a mortgage, but perhaps with a bridge and loan, it's a short-term product to allow you to kind of refurb a property and then remortgage onto a mortgage product if you're going to keep it or to sell it to the next buyer who would then get a mortgage. Right, uh, so okay. it's very similar. But So that, that usually covers about 75% of the purchase price of a property then the 25% is where you need to, okay, do you want to, if you've got the money, great, you put 25% down yourself. If you don't, there is a terminology where they say you can use other people's money um, to kind of raise the funds to allow you to go and acquire the property, maybe also raise the money for the refurbishment side of the deal as well, whereby you find people around your networks, it could be family, friends, work colleagues, obviously speaking about what it is you do, potentially offering them a better return than their money. Um, so that's why I do. I, I go out seeking investment. I call it even loans. I wouldn't call it investments. Even it's, it's more of a loan. Uh, you can see it as like a personal loan um, from from them to me, and they know I'm using that money for property in terms of acquiring it and refurbishing it. And obviously, because I'm uplifting the property values of these property, when I when I go back to remortgage or refinance, I'm able to pull the money back out, and that's how I'm able right. to repay them back plus the interest that was agreed at the, at the time. So you don't always have to have um, the money like readily available. Like, yes, obviously you need money to buy property, but you can tap into a network. Um, mm -hmm. So I do a lot of raising funds. Like now I've got two projects, two seven bedroom HMOs I'm trying to progress with, which I'm, I'm going out to my network to try and raise um, the, the funds to go do the deal. So it's, it's yeah, it's, it's not all my money, it's, it's other people's money. Um, and I'm literally giving them a fixed return on their money and that's how I've managed to kind of scale up. Because, yeah, like you said, you buy one and you probably run out of money and that's it. You're stuck again. You have to try yeah. to recoup some money. And that'll take ages. So it's not wrong with, nothing wrong with that. I know people buy properties one, one every year just because that's how quickly they can get deposits to kind of go again. Mm -hmm. um, but if you want to scale up and do, do more projects within a year, then you, the only way you can do it is to leverage your network. If you had money, of course, you can go buy more properties and pay them back as well. So it works. Yeah. Sense. See, I work in the um, in the construction industry as a, as a quantity surveyor. Um, yeah. And, and I find sometimes 
you get a bit of a a bad subcontractor or you get a bit of a ball ache from a planner or from customer care or customer service teams or something or other, you know, if I have an issue myself, you know, I can escalate it up the chain. But how do you find that dealing with it on your own? You know, having all the responsibilities, you said you're refurbishing um, these properties, you know, if you've got the builder comes to you and then you've got another issue here, another issue there. How do you find juggling all these issues on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, so I try and mitigate this by, because I know dealing with individual trades, any any person will tell you it's, it's a difficult task. Um, it can be a ball ache, like you said, people letting you down. <laughs> so I leverage it from a point of view of, again, I think this helped my corporate world. Um, being a project manager, having a team of engineers. Um, um, yeah. I'm yeah. working, they're, they're the ones actually doing the work. So similarly, I'm working for a construction company and on the build side of things. And they are the ones responsible for the hiring of the electrician, the gas guy, do you know what I mean? The plasterer, they put right, that in-house. Okay. And if they don't, they're going to sub out a contract to someone else come and do it. But obviously, they've worked with that person before. So they, they, don't, they know who to work with. So I haven't got the headache of finding out is this guy good or not good. Obviously, the initial stage of it would be for me to vet the person, the construction company about to work with, to see their project in person, to make sure I'm happy with their, their work in terms of their finish. And even during construction as well, I'd want to see one of their projects as well, just, just to get a view of how they like during the process as well. Yeah, so it's about allocating risk to another party. You know, if they, I don't know, broke a pipe or or screwed up the electrics, then you you can hold that. Contract yeah. The, um, yeah, they're liable. Um, they have insurance in place for any 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 damages that happens, which is caused by them. If for whatever reason the property starts leaking after they've even left, <laughs> they, this, 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 the warranty is still on them to kind of come and fix the problem. So that's how well, I try and manage it. Just on just on risk as well. Obviously, you're you're saying that you're sort of pass the risk on to the contractor, so there's less risk on you. But how do you calculate the risk of of sourcing a property, and and how do you know that that property that you found on on Rightmove, for example, or something like that, that that's going to get you the returns that um that you're after? Yeah, I feel like the word risk risk comes from not knowing. Um, right. Okay. So is 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 that unknown factor? So. It, if to me, I don't see it as even a risk because I know what I'm doing. So that the education comes is very, very important. I think anybody getting into property, you, you need to be like, you need to go and get some education, whether it's physically you paying a, a mentor, paying for courses, or you just even researching, reading books, just trying to acquire the information, kind of put the puzzles together. Fair enough. That's one way. Um, but the education element is what allows you to kind of mitigate the risk. So, for example, from a risk point of view of, okay, I buy a property, how do I know it's going to rent or what kind of rent it achieves? There's, there's, there's things you can do to kind of qualify the rental income you're going to get. You can put some fake adverts out there to see what kind of rents you get or what kind of people or tenants you, you generate in terms of the, um, the ad that you put out there. You can speak to the agents within the area to kind of qualify what type of rent again you would achieve um, and speak to multiple again and take an average of that if, if you're still not sure. Um, and just even with the fake ads, you get based on the price points you put, you kind of generate, see how quickly people respond to it based on the, the price you're putting in as well. So you kind of play the market to kind of do your market research. Um, so yeah. the market research element is very important at the beginning to kind of understand, okay, where are the most desirable streets in, in the city I want to invest in? So again, the research will come from speaking to agents. If I was to bring a property to tomorrow, where would, where would it, and you can let it out instantly, where would that be? And these are the kind of key spots you're looking for to try and acquire properties. Um, me personally, I generally buy anything within the city centre and a mile away from the station. 
because I know these are the most, in my opinion, the most desirable properties to start with. Um, people want to kind of be in a city. There's always going to be a city life. People want wanting to live in a city, being close to this, uh, transport links. So for me, that's a key factor. And then that kind of helps as well. If you're investing in the city, kind of knowing a bit more about the city, does it have universities? What kind of big companies work there? Because um, again, that will, that will bring in the employment, so professional lets. So, so I mean, so you go, there's a lot of market research at the beginning stage, kind of understand the city you're about to invest in. What's their 10-year plan for development? Are they planning to bring in new shopping malls? Is a, a new company coming to build a, a warehouse? All these things improve the city, um, brings more people to the city as well. So understanding all of that wider picture is how you kind of assess what you're about to invest in. Um, so there's a, there's a lot to it. I've, I've probably missed some bits out as well, but like I said, it's it's, it's not a, like just go pick any property. Yeah, no, that that's really useful. And and just how have you dealt with the, the property market this year? Like, have you have you felt some kind of impact because obviously due to COVID and things like that happening? Has there been a knock on effect on on you actually sourcing properties? And um, what's it been like this year? Yeah, I think there's been a, there's been hits in all types of ways. So even had a project during COVID where. When, when really when everything got shut down obviously you had to stop work for a while um, materials were slow coming in there was lack of materials all the, the construction companies or the material companies are all closed down so again we have to be creative and trying to solve problems but again it comes with your team having a good team around you you're solution oriented and therefore can come, overcome these problems it, I, I wouldn't say it was hit um, badly or anything like we was right we, we was good we, we still finished a good product uh, create an amazing product still got it tenanted but the demand of tenants, in a way, was less than prior to COVID. Right. Because, um, again, there was a fear, uncertainty of people's jobs. Um, so I was targeting professionals. So, again, it was it was a bit tricky filling that one out to start with. But the market's picking up back up again. For example, I've got one of them let for students in September. Mm-hmm. They've already signed the contract. So that's already in place. Um, so that's all nice. I've got another project that an eight bed that's going for at the moment moving smoothly two more seven beds next month which i'm hoping to kickstart as well um so things things are are good but there is that fear of the back end of the deal where you've got tenants it the demand has dropped uh, because people don't know what's happening um people are now working from home uni students aren't necessarily around as as much as they would um they would normally be so for example the international students aren't traveling they're still doing the studies from abroad yeah so it's, 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 it's just kind of playing it to the wire and kind of seeing what's going on and kind of, again, for me, because I'm investing in the city, I've got opportunity to target students, professionals, social housing, um, even contractors in terms of developments happening within the area. I can get them to kind of tenant the properties that I have because they're all in key locations. So the location is very important, I'd say, which kind of gives you opportunity to kind of target other tenants kind of manage the risk yeah no, no, that, that, that makes sense and uh, like just just from personal experience so I was looking at uh, this sort of strategy a couple of years back um when I was looking into getting into property myself uh and I was focusing on sort of like Coventry Birmingham or the uni student uh areas um yeah and it looks like a lot of them a lot of these areas are quite saturated in terms of people have obviously bought a lot of the bigger properties um split up the rooms or or made you know living rooms into bedrooms and are now renting them out so do you find it difficult in certain areas because they're they're almost there's too many hmos going on at at once and you can't find the property that's perfect not not really because i'm one i don't know if you guys have seen my projects but like in terms of like the finish i'm i'm on the high-end type hmo i'm not putting um, products out there where 
Don't get me wrong, there are other good HMOs as well, but that's the direction of the market. So again, you've got to keep informed on what's, how the market's moving. So if, you're, if, you're, if your property is quite tired, then you're probably going to struggle to rent in this current climate. You probably have a lot of voids. Um, but I'm, I'm putting good products out there. Um, so it's attracting the right type of tenants as well. So not really. Yes, there is demand. There is this, um, there's a lot of um, stock out there in terms of HMOs. Mm-hmm. But it's just about how good as well is your agents who are marketing the property for you and how are they good at finding leads for you, for your property? Because there are people looking, that's for sure. People still getting properties let as we speak. So it's how good is your management team in finding tenants? Um, so I guess if you're not managing yourself and you've got a management agent, making sure that they, they are, they've got good marketing strategies in place to find new tenants. Yeah, absolutely. And, and do, you, do you focus on, on, you sound like you're from London, oh, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, yeah, yeah, like I am. From from... <laughs> um, <laughs> I am. Yeah, so do you focus on sort of London? You, you talk about city centres or are you looking up north where properties are a little bit cheaper? Like what, where do you normally aim yeah, for? Yeah, so I'm based in Coventry. Well, I'm, I live in rugby, but I invest in Coventry. Mm-hmm. I invest in Coventry city centre. Um, so CV1 is where I look and that, that's what all my properties are in CV1. Cool. So I just, yeah, that's that's... That's how I, I, I go about it. Like I said, a mile away from the station, city center location, I'm happy to kind of consider it. Obviously, some streets as well, you're going to, you're going to know the streets as well. So not even just city center, some streets are not desirable. Yeah. Um. So you just, you just want to know which streets as well to buy on as well. And do you find it difficult managing it from afar? So like buying through, not only buying the property, looking at it, Um. once you're listing it out, the management of it, you know, even if you have to develop it and, and keep an eye on the builders and things like that. So you said you're in Coventry, but obviously you're, you're living elsewhere. How, how do you find yeah, managing it? So, yeah, rugby isn't too far. As I'm quite fortunate. Okay. It's like, what, 30 minute drive to Coventry. So oh, not, that's not okay. Too bad. Oh, that's not too bad. Yeah, yeah. So, I, yeah, I just, I just, I just drive in. I, well, I've got a good team, build team wise. I haven't even been there in like two weeks now, but I get updates through WhatsApp and stuff. So, we, we, communication is there. I speak to them when they need to, if they've got any questions, they'll call me. Uh, but I do generally generally try and go once a week um, to kind of see the updates myself in person mm-hmm. as well. Uh, just the whole COVID situation, I've just been relaxed on it. They're getting on with it. They're sending me updates, doing video calls. So it, it works. I don't necessarily have to be there. I trust the team. So I can kind of let them run with it. And I know they, they deliver a good product. I won't go worry too much. So to be honest, my focus is more on like the finding of new deals and raising funds for the next projects. That's what I focus my energy on. Everything else, I outsource. Management of tenants, I outsource. Build team, construction construction company I put in place. I also got my solicitors, my brokers, all of that. Um, so I leverage my team heavily. Um, just build a good team around you and you can focus your energy on, on the key um, areas. Right. So, so with with, uh, with your 9 to 5, when you said you used to work for a Land Rover and Jaguar, um, like myself as well, I go again at 9, I know I finish at 5 and then I some spare time in the evening. Do you find working for yourself that it is just work, 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 or have you managed to sort of have that work-life balance? Because that's something that I've seen a lot of property investors, they say, you know, I work 25 hours a day, I don't stop. How have you managed to uh, find that work-life balance? It's been it's been all right. For me, obviously, I think, cause, because I'm, not, I'm at home, because I think this is kind of a unique situation, and maybe if I ask you, when if COVID didn't happen, asking this question might be a different yeah, answer. But because being at home all the time and kind of going on site here and there, it's I mean, there's only so much you can't work. Well, 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 I mean, yeah, you have to take time out, take a walk. So it's like the balance. I'd say is okay. Um, I don't feel like I'm, I'm working crazy, crazy, crazy. Um, like I said, I leverage my team quite a lot. So 
I, I won't go and I don't need to be, if I don't need to be on site, I'm not going to site. If I don't need to, I mean, deal with tenants, I'm not dealing with the tenant. The, the, the team is there to kind of handle that stuff. So work-wise, it's not, it's not too bad. But when I was in the corporate world and kind of balancing that out, starting out, what I used to do was I used to kind of maximise my day. I used to, believe it or not, I used to be up by 4, uh, 4.30. I'll be in the gym because I wanted to go to the gym. It was a priority for me. So, okay, I have to go to the gym in the morning, come back, shower, get into work for like 7. So, again, the great thing about the engineering industry is a lot of engineers, well, a Dagoland River, if you want to say that, the people could start as early as 6.30 even, 7 in the morning and finish earlier. Right. Okay. So you have your set hours, eight hours a day. So you, wherever time you start, you can kind of work. So, so I used to leave work three, three thirty for now early again, um, and that kind of gave you gave you more of a day. So I've got from three thirty, let's say, all the way up to ten, eleven. There's right. even, even be days where I'd go down mm-hmm. to London to network straight out of work, get on the train, going to see to just network, meet more people. Um, so I was I was very dedicated. I guess it's how how important is it to you? If it's not important to you, you won't do what I just did, but. <laughs> For me, it's very important. So I had to do these things to kind of create a long day. So I was sleeping five, six hours a day. Um, but now it's, it's a lot better because I'm only at home. <laughs> I can't really go anywhere when I'm going. So it's like, <laughs> I've got more time. I've got, I've got a whole 24 hours. How do I want to use it? And I, yeah, I guess like looking, say, for example, um, you wanted to give some advice to someone that's just starting out. So, you know, in this period, some of us are quite fortunate. We've still had jobs, but we're, you know, we're not going out as much. Um, I've got like a couple of friends that might have been saving a bit of a deposit because they've not been, you know, spending it all down the pub every weekend or, you know, this past year it's been tough, but they've managed to save some money yeah, yeah. Um, and they might be looking into, you know, getting into property, whether it's investing. What advice would you give to those that are just starting out and, and really just getting their their foot on the, the property ladder? What would be the first steps that you suggest to do? I would say definitely get educated. So obviously there's options. You can, there's books to pick up. Um, that you can read just mm-hmm. just type I know people ask what books to read and they're like come on guys Google is your best friend just go on Google and just type <laughs> property books and there'll be a whole list of books that you can kind of see through and maybe go go, go through the reviews and see which ones have got the best reviews and, and read that um, so there's no they, they all have the same message so the point here is, is start acquiring information in terms of investing in property because it's not just about buying uh, anybody can buy property can you make money from it can you can you do the mm-hmm. right stuff so it actually brings you a return that's where the education comes in so again if you're someone that's too lazy and you're lucky you've got money around you and want to kind of invest in yourself in terms of going on courses where you can kind of sit in a classroom and be taught how this stuff works what to look out for how to go about appraising a deal mm-hmm. then great do that that's what i personally did i was fortunate i had money so i was like but it, for me it was it, i kind of used all the money i had I invested quite heavily into, into a course mm-hmm. to kind of invest in myself to begin with um, to acquire information. And for me, it's paid off. I, I was determined. I had the work effort to kind of put in the work as well as building for myself. So like, yes, I was emptying my account to zero, but I was confident I could make the money back um, and yeah, I had that self-belief. So definitely, definitely starts with getting yourself educated. There's a lot of content out there mm-hmm. as well. So people are probably listening now. Stuff like this, the podcasts, um, YouTube channels you can check out there's a lot of stuff out there which is quite accessible very low cost um, books if you've got older go app and you like listening to books I think $7.99 a month that's what I do anyways um, to kind of read a book once a book a month um, and then just yeah just 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 be I think 
it's up to the individual. Um, I, I, I didn't have to be told by anybody, go, go buy this book, or I didn't get told by anybody, mm-hmm. or go to this networking event and surround yourself with property investors. It was me as an individual wanting that and searching for that, if that makes sense. So it's, you can find the information, um, and then that would lead you on to the growth. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry too much in the detail. I wanted to know every single thing first. My advice is start with just trying to get yourself immersed in the property world, whether it's networking groups, whether it's picking up books, whether it's watching content, you start hearing people drop ideas of how to go about it. And that's how you start yeah. building on that. So it's like a compound effect. Just, uh, I guess you're, um, you're quite involved with, you know, helping others and, and teaching people from your experiences. And we've been watching some of your YouTube episodes where you talk about your experiences and things like that. So, and on one of them, you mentioned the property mastermind group. So could you just talk about what this is and, and how, how this is run to help others or, or what, you, what you're involved with there? Yeah, yeah. So this, again, this came about during COVID times because um, I was getting a lot of messages, people asking questions, how to get started, how to do yeah, how to mentor them, all, the, all these things. Um, so, so, yeah, so I created this, this mastermind group where it's pretty much a group of property investors um, where we come on every Tuesdays, 8 p.m., um, and we spend an hour, hour and a half kind of discussing any questions that people have and any hurdles they might have in their journey. They'll kind of voice it to the group and we'll go around the, the kind of the, the group and give opinions, like two to three opinions on how mm-hmm. to deal with that hurdle or that question they might raise. Um, so it's kind of learning from our people's experiences. Um, so that's how, that's how that works. And it's, so it's, a, it's a weekly session that we do, um, record all the sessions as well, put into the Facebook group. And plus we've got a WhatsApp group as well to kind of between the weeks, between the Tuesdays, kind of communicate through that if there's any further questions outside of the, the actual mastermind session itself. So yeah, it's a great, great little group. Um, it's growing, it's a growing, yeah, it's a growing group. So anybody interested, uh, just go on to even my Instagram or uh, Real Property Ventures. So it's www.realpropertyventures.co.uk um, and you can check that out. Just register to tell you more details about it. But I have to say it is mm-hmm. a monthly subscription group so it's not just join the group and you're in no it's, it's, there is a commission of like a fee um, each month just to, again i just want serious people in the group not someone that's just kind of here to kind of be in the background i want someone committed to commit to the group so hence there's a fee so, yeah i think it's, it's easy if it's free oh, i'll just sign up to that and i'll sit in there but you know yeah exactly the amount of getting involved as well yeah free yeah. like i mean there's, there's no value in that so i want people who are serious wanting to learn from each other um committing to that monthly subscription no that sounds good definitely um noticed on your instagram that you said that you like traveling and you're a traveler and now let's be very hypothetical and let's be very dreamy but when it's all <laughs> over again where where's the first place that you're going to jet off to after i think i need i need to so i love the, so I, love, I love traveling and dubai is somewhere i used to go to for my birthday in november because uh, of the f1 as well um, so yeah. like even this year, I'm hoping come November times, I've, I've got a few projects kind of completed and I could take some time out as well and get back to traveling. I think 2022, I'm definitely traveling. <laughs> like, I, I don't think anybody sees 2022. <laughs> like I'll become this traveler on, on Instagram, just, just traveling from country to country. Um, but I, I do, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking maybe maybe um, end of the year, so towards the end of the year. So I think Dubai will probably be on, on the list of places to go to, but I want to, there's so many, there's so many places. I want to travel the whole world. I want one of my goals to kind of project the whole country. So it's kind of hard to say, but um, I think mean, Dubai is definitely on the map, but 
in a way it's kind of been ruined because of the whole COVID. Everybody's been going there. I think it's kind mm-hmm. of lose losses exclusiveness like it's just, yeah it's, it's not the same um but I, I love Dubai so I want to kind of get back there kind of network as well another reason why I love going there um but probably Dubai and then Ghana where I'm originally from as well and December is randomly go as well COVID is this this is, I think this is the only year I've been last year 2020 was the only year I didn't go anywhere you know you say that yeah it's obviously disrupted quite a few things but it's also given you the time to you know work on projects and work on things that you're really involved with and that you really enjoy um and even just like joe and i starting up this podcast and helping others so yeah i think obviously it's been a disadvantage to a lot of people um hopefully it has helped you in in some aspects in terms of your business and working on goals that you really enjoy yeah i, I would say as well like it's, it's... It's, mm-hmm. it's up to every individual to how to kind of let it affect you. So, like, yes, it's a horrible thing, pandemic, people are dying, people are getting ill, um, people are losing jobs, but it's on you. Like, I, I lost my job. Yeah. I could have decided I'm not going to do anything about it, but I had, obviously, I had property in the background as well, so it kind of helped as well. And at that point, I was like, I could have gone back to looking for a new job, but I was like, no, nah, there's no point. I'd rather just focus all my time on my property business and create create things or yeah. uh, create the mastermind out of the, the COVID situation. I bought more property um, during COVID, so it's it's, it's it's just making the most of what you got. Our situation that's all you can do. You, only you can make the year the way you want. I know there'll be hurdles, but that's life. So, just in terms of goals and like um, you know your plans for the future, what are yeah, your definitely. key goals for the next year? For say say for twenty twenty one, have you got any milestones that you're looking to achieve this year? It's it's big yeah it's, it's big for me I guess um but in my current journey I lead this year I'm hoping to at least add I'll probably have about three million pounds four million pounds worth of GDV um to the project complete by the end of 2021 so I'm trying to do more projects this year um to kind of increase the portfolio size um for me I buy refurb and I hold the property for rental income and so obviously to achieve that as well I need to kind of raise a lot of money as well so again I'm looking to connect with people. Who are looking to get a fixed return on their money um, to kind of work with me in terms of getting a, a return on their money rather than rather than leaving the bank. So I've got ambitions of raising about a million to two million pound um, wow. from investors, from people. And no, it's not like doesn't business savvy people. It's just, it's just general people that have money. Because you'd be surprised, there are people with money sat in the bank account, not really doing much of it, getting low returns, and they're looking for opportunities to kind of grow their funds. And I, I'm that vehicle they can Absolutely. use to kind of um, grow their funds. So. For me as well, I'm, I'm networking. So those are probably my two around property, two goals, two big goals around property. Um, but also I've got other things as well. I'm grow on YouTube. I want to grow on my Instagram and get more recognition across, yeah, plat- social media platforms and stuff. But there's a lot. But those are the two key areas I want to focus on, I'd say, in terms of property. No, perfect. That sounds, sounds good. It's always good to have a goal and a, a direction. I think definitely during this year, I think a lot of people have been... Um, they've had their targets and their goals um, distorted really by what's going on so it's good that you've found uh, a good direction that you want to go into it's really nice to speak to someone that's so sort of positive and has got a really good outlook on on life even in some tough situations you've you pulled through and you've set those goals so um, thank you so much no thanks thanks for having me and I think I'll, I'll finally say as well that yeah this 2021 I know people are still seeing kind of a gloom 2021 but I just feel like you can only make the most out of 2021. So just, just try your best to try and make the most out of it and be happy with, mm-hmm. I mean, you'd be content because you know you try your best to make the most out of it. Perfect, yeah. So where can people find you if, uh, if they want to find your socials or find your YouTube pages? 
Yeah, so just search my name. So I'm kind of focusing on my personal brand. So Alfred and then surname is Jade, but it's spelled D-Z-A-D-E-Y. So if you type down Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, whatever, wherever, Facebook, you should be able to, even if you just type in Google, you should, Google should bring up all my social media. Um, so just, yeah, just, just type my name in and you should be able to find me and connect. I'm, I'm more active on Instagram. So if you want to kind of connect to me, keep tabs, Instagram is where I kind of show my journey, showcase my journey, my property projects. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much, Alfred. Cheers. It was great to speak to you. No, thanks for having me as well. I really enjoyed it. And hopefully everyone's got some value out of this as well. So thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure to leave a five-star review on whatever platform you get your podcast from and check us out on Instagram at The First Quarter Club. See you next week.